Welcome to the CoinGam Podcast. I'm your host, Fritz Charles. On this podcast, we attack the crypto asset and blockchain space from all angles, from the underlying technology to the economic impact. Every single episode, we try to look at the blockchain space from a new lens, and this episode was no different. But before we start this episode, I wanted to share a bit about our advisory services. We've built a huge network of blockchain professionals who can help you out with your projects. Whether you want to launch an ICO or you're just looking to do some deeper research, we can put you in the right place. We have advisors, blockchain developers, and legal professionals. If you need help, just visit us at coingamma.com. Now, let's start the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Coin Gamma Podcast. Today, we are honored to have Michael Morrow, CEO of Genesis Trading and Genesis Capital. Genesis is an institutional trading platform focused on providing two-sided liquidity for digital currencies on a daily basis. They make buying and selling large blocks of digital currency a simple, secure, and supportive process. Prior to Genesis, Michael worked at Citigroup as well as Second Market. Welcome, Michael. Thanks for appearing on the podcast, and please, you know, expand on any parts of your background that I might have missed. Hey, Fritz. Uh, happy to be here. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Um, I think the uh, the background you provided uh, is great. Um, started out my career um, in in investment banking at City, um, where I was in the financial institutions group for about seven years, um, and then I uh, joined uh, Barry Silbert at uh, Second Market in two thousand and eight. Uh, and uh, I've been uh, I've been with him um, and working alongside him uh, for about the last ten years. Awesome, awesome. Can you expand on how what second market was and how second market, you know, how how you transitioned from second market into trading crypto? Sure. Um, so second market was founded in two thousand and five um, by uh, by Barry Silver, as I mentioned, and um, it was a a, a broker dealer that specialized in trading um, anything that was off the run, e-liquid financial assets. So typically anything that didn't trade on an exchange. Okay. Um, and when I joined in 2008, it was obviously just sort of the onset of the financial crisis. And so the number of assets that immediately became e-liquid within months of me joining the firm spiked tremendously. Sure. Um, and so at its peak, Second Market was involved in trading about seven or eight different asset classes, um, including bankruptcy claims, fixed income securities, um, hedge fund interests, um, and, et cetera. It became the most widely known for trading the, uh, the pre-IPO shares of LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, any of kind of the hottest VC batch venture companies at the time. Right, um, right. And uh, we discovered Bitcoin. Um, in about 2012, okay. um, Barry himself had discovered it a year earlier. Um, and then by the time 2012 came around, um, he wouldn't stop talking about it. So <laughs> we uh, we started looking into it um, and uh, decided to open up our trading desk in 2013. Excellent. Excellent. Now, second market, some of these illiquid, when I hear about things that cannot be traded on exchanges, were did you trade um, derivatives as well or were we, just underlyings? We, we didn't. We traded the spot market um, for sort of each asset class. Got it. Got it. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Um, so was Genesis always from day one focused on institutions? or was It, it was. 
Okay. Well, we have been. So what Genesis um, is, is an over-the-counter market maker um, for larger blocks. What that typically means is that um, we cater to um, high net worth individuals, hedge funds, family offices, sort of the, the quote-unquote institutional accounts uh, for, for crypto. And we've done that kind of since day one. We, sure. we are not a technology platform, per se, or an exchange where retail customers can come and buy half a Bitcoin. Um, we think that that market is well served um, by the existing um, exchanges here in the U.S. as well as abroad. We focus sure. on the, uh, the, the, the larger um, clients simply because those are who we dealt with in the second market days as well. Makes sense. So you already had the relationships. Yes. Excellent, excellent. So obviously, institutional capital into crypto is this, especially this, you know, since we've had this kind of a, a little bit of a correction or bear market, however you want to call the price, you know, decrease from the, earlier this year, everything is about institutions are coming, institutions are coming. You being, you know, CEO of the premier institutional trading platform, um, what do you think about that sentiment? And what do you think, like, what do you, have you seen, obviously your business has grown, but other, outside of that, have you seen institutional interest grow and if not what do you think is going to what what is what do you think is keeping people away if they are away so my view is institutions at some level have always been involved um sure. since you know we've been around now for six years um institutions even from the very beginning were involved now the numbers were much smaller um trade sizes were much smaller um and the number of counterparties obviously were fewer but they've always kind of been there um, the profile, though, and the makeup of the institutional accounts that are involved in 2018 versus 2013, 2014, obviously there's a stark difference um, in addition to just the pure number of people that are ultimately kind of doing this. Um, I agree with the um, sentiment that institutions um, are going to be entering the space. Um, what I believe has kept the institutions out is a few things. One, I think there's still a education process to be had. Sure. Um, oftentimes, the, a lot of the, the headlines you'll see on, on TV and in the news is, is negative um, sure. as, as it relates to kind of Silk Road and sort of the Mt. Gox events in, in 2013-2014 um, to the hacks that kind of continue to happen um, across kind of the exchanges, um, as well as kind of the, you know, is, is Bitcoin being used to fund terrorists? You know, that right. type of money laundering narrative that I think you'll see. Um, but over time, folks have gotten smarter. Um, and so we definitely spend a lot more, less, lot more time um, educating uh, folks on Bitcoin 201 and 301 um, as sure. opposed to 101. Um, but the factors, I think, um, in addition to just kind of lack of awareness for, for a lot of counterparties, um, one is custody. We, I think that's a topic that comes up a lot. Um, as to why institutions are coming in, I still feel like the biggest funds in the world are waiting for the Fidelity, State Streets, the BNY Mellons to create a custody product that um, sure. under a brand name that they're um, that they've known and entrusted for decades. Um, so, in other words, one of the traditional financial custody providers or settlement providers are they? They're waiting for those folks to do it, not some of these new players. I think that's right. Um, now, the existing guys are fantastic. Um, sure. They serve the existing Bitcoin community very well, and they, we've partnered with them for a long time. Um, what I do know is having spent years speaking to these institutional money that is still sitting on the sidelines, um, while they have zero issues with the existing providers today, 
um, they're not willing to put client funds with them. They're still waiting for the traditional brand name um, custodians to to enter the space. And the moment they do, I think it's sort of one more check the box item as far as, okay, are we ready to invest or not? Got it. Got it. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, awesome. I guess, does your platform take custody during trades? Um, we, you, you, I know you're not exchange, but. We do not. Um, okay. We do not take custody. No, currently no over-the-counter market maker custodies assets. Um, how we do things um, right now is on a post-trade settlement basis. Okay. Um, and so, Fritz, if you and I were trading, sure. um, we would agree to a transaction first. Okay. Um, and then it exchange bitcoin transfer for there is no need to pre-fund a genesis account with dollars or bitcoin today um you do the trade first and then exchange the bank wire and the bitcoin address information afterwards most genesis transactions settle same day um so rather than kind of the t plus two settlement that you might see sort of in the other markets or basically t plus two hours um frankly just the amount of time that a bank wire might take um, for uh, for Genesis to receive it before you receive the Bitcoins. Excellent. Excellent. No, that's super interesting. Um, are you obviously crypto is a, is a global platform? Um, is, are you working with a lot of international clients or is it mostly U.S.? Um, I would say I think Genesis has counterparties in over 40 different countries. Um, so you definitely get an international flavor amongst our, our counterparties. Um, although I would say that today, mostly it is U.S. Um, I would say probably 70% of our clientele that we do transactions with on a daily basis are based in the U.S. Okay. Um, but international is probably a fascinating. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to kind of see that ratio continue to tilt towards the international crowd over time. Excellent, excellent. Now, is that more of a? I guess that is that is that more due to you being U.S. based in your relationships? Because I mean, a lot of the sentiment is that some of the, particularly East Asian markets, are more advanced when it comes to trading crypto than um, the U.S. is. Do you co-sign that sentiment at all? Um, certainly, at the retail level, there's no question. Um, my sense is that you know um, the exchanges do tremendous amounts of volume. Um, especially sort of outside the United States, where most of the exchange volume certainly seems to take place. At the institutional level, I'm not sure um, whether or not Asian institutional accounts are way more active um, than those here in the United States. Um, The biggest accounts are certainly here, uh, but uh, to their point, they've basically been on the sidelines. Ultimately, it's kind of the high net worth crowd um, that is easier to act. Uh, because they're only investing their own money as opposed to others. Um, but um, but yeah, for now, um, we do think that um, domestically, that's kind of where we see more action. But like I said, I, I fully have every expectation that uh, that pie will tilt much more international um, over the next 12 to 18 months. Understood, understood. Now, um, in February, you announced a lending service. Uh, why is that? So... Um, in February, um, we launched a separate business called Genesis Capital, okay. um, and uh, that is um, an affiliate of Genesis uh, Trading, um, but a separate company altogether located um, in, in New Jersey. Okay. Um, 
We've always felt um, that while um, we're obviously believers in cryptocurrency and 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 it being a, a new brand new asset class that is here to stay, um, we've also always recognized the importance of a uh, of a two way market. Sure. Um, heretofore, it's really just been a you know a, a, a one way buy only market, um, and that for true price discovery to exist. Um, we felt like you needed to be able to short the spot market as well. Um, and what we launched is the lending business, which allows companies, um, hedge funds, investors to hedge their position um, or take a near term, short term, long term bearish view on crypto altogether uh, by let, get, by taking out a loan um, in crypto. Um, and as far as I know, uh, we were the first ones to do this. Um, we launched at about 20 million of loans outstanding in February, and we're currently sitting right around 100 to 110 million dollars of loans outstanding. So that's a business that's grown tremendously um, in just a short period of time. Awesome, awesome. So like when I used to, when I traded at Lehman, uh, I used to trade equity swaps, and so stock borrow was like a huge thing. Um, I guess how do you come up with the borrow rates, and like do they flu do they fluctuate in accordance to the volatility of the underlying asset? Um, since we just launched this, the borrowing rates, the lending rates have basically just been sort of market driven, um, whatever the market is willing to, to bear. Keep in mind that counterparties to Genesis Capital are providing um, U.S. dollar collateral. Um, so it. these aren't uncollateralized loans that is available to anyone um, to mitigate our risk. Uh, we ask that counterparties fund in U.S. dollars so that we have some form of collateral against the loans that we're making. Um, uh, so for now, um, the lending rates are entirely sort of based on availability of the borrow itself. Um, some coins are easier to locate than others. Right. Um, and some coins, um, investors have taken to wanting to borrow for a longer period of time than others. Um, some people want the ability to prepay. Um, and some people are happy to keep the loans outstanding for an indefinite sort of open term. So there's a number of different factors as to kind of what goes into the pricing of the loan. Right. But on average, um, our overall loan book sits somewhere in the mid-teens on an annualized basis in terms of the, uh, the coupon. Over time, no question, I think the pricing will get more sophisticated. And we're currently building in models right now that'll do just that, which is what you mentioned in the SEC lending market, sort of pricing in, uh, having a variable rate component to the pricing structure based on the the, the volatility on the line token. Awesome, awesome, that's super interesting. Um, another thing that, you know, from at least from an institutional standpoint, that has, you know, impacted the market over the past year is the introduction of Bitcoin futures. Have you seen a large impact into your business? Um, what do you think is some of the biggest things that happened since that has been that was introduced in December? I think the biggest thing um, is the existence of the futures itself. Sure. Um, and I think the fact that the CME and the CBOE have created um, a, a CFTC-approved product in Bitcoin—it's unthinkable to us back in 2013. Right, that would have right. been like dream scenario of. Um, the acceptance and the institutionalization of the asset class. Um, and, and the fact that this is out there, this is trading, um, is, is fantastic and a massive milestone, I think, in the evolution of the ecosystem. Um, 
while volumes have certainly increased over the last couple of months, um, it's still a relatively small percentage as it relates to the, the spot market. Um, but that's because so much of the, the spot market is driven by retail um, right. with limited access to, to the derivatives market, um, even if they wanted to trade it. Um, it hasn't really impacted um, the spot trading side on the OTC trading side at all, um, right. simply because the volume is kind of relatively limited. Um, what it has done, actually, though, is, is increased business on the Genesis Capital side. What I mean is um, market makers for the future side uh, might take action on the derivative side via the CME, and they'll look to hedge on the spot side instantly. So what we have is a borrow in Bitcoin out to some of the futures market makers. And if they are sold one contract of the CME, for instance, which is worth five Bitcoins, they'll immediately take the Bitcoins they have on borrow with Genesis Capital and then sell them so that they remain neutral um, from a price perspective and just clip the difference in the price between the the futures contract and and the spot market. Um, So as that market grows and the need to hedge on the spot side increases, I expect the market makers on the futures to even become a larger customer and a borrowing uh, client of Genesis Capital in the years to come. Excellent. Excellent. That's pretty cool. I guess, what uh, do you, do you think that futures will will expand to other underlying? So obviously it's just Bitcoin. Do you think that we'll see Ethereum or Ripple or Litecoin futures in the future? I believe, I believe that is the case. Um, I have every expectation to believe that um, other assets um, will that will have derivatives and and, and futures contracts um, in the coming months and years. I think that's sort of a natural evolution. Um, I don't believe that like um, CME and the CBOE will stop at Bitcoin and and that'll be it. Um, we'll figure out um, what the volumes might look like, how liquid it might be, um, and whether or not the trading volumes in um, Bitcoin versus an Ether contract, for example, sort of mirror what's happening in the spot market. Um, but uh, only time will tell. But I have every expe- expectation that the uh, the futures exchange will introduce new products um, relatively soon. Awesome, awesome. How do you how do you, how does your company look at new products to support? Because obviously there's two thousand and counting cryptocurrencies out there, but it's not worth your time to kind of dedicate resource, dedicate resources to all of them. How do you choose which coins to support and, and offer products for? So ultimately, um, there is some um, level of investor demand that is a huge component of this. Okay. Um, we uh, we currently are involved in trading eight or nine different tokens. Um, sure. Most of them are through sort of reverse inquiry. Got it. Where we have an institutional account. From, hey, do you also provide this token? Um, there is a certain level of diligence involved that we do internally. Uh, make sure that we're comfortable with the technology and the code as well as the storage. Um, but we have to take an additional step because we're located in New York to have the conversation with the New York Department of Financial Services sure. um, and the uh, the issuer of the bit license um, as we need their approval um, to trade, uh, add any new token to our, to our offering. We're also we're just very careful about what we add um, simply because um, there is certainly a element of legitimacy that gets added to a token anytime Genesis adds it. Sure. Um, so what we don't want to do is to add any sort of credibility to a token um, that certainly isn't deserving of it. 
Um, but that's really much more on the internal due diligence side of the equation to really kind of make sure that the investor interest on both sides of the trade are real. Awesome. Awesome. Super impressive um, and super interesting. Um, so obviously, you know, I think, you know, you told us a lot about Genesis and your your journey there and, and how the company is run, which is, is which is awesome. Um, but you've been in this space for such a long time and you've seen a lot of different things um, outside of like the major coins outside of obviously your own company. Um, what are some other projects that you find, you know, super interesting? Um, again, to our listeners, this is not investment advice and this is not uh, this is not um, an endorsement by Michael um, or his company, but just more of just an interesting thing as somebody in the space. What do you find? What are some cool projects people should check out? Um, personally, um, I'm, I'm very interested in, in the prediction markets. Okay. Um, I think that's a, it's a very interesting sort of use of crowdsourcing and sort of the wisdom of crowds, um, to, to, to create a prediction market and, and the ability to look at certain projects, um, and, and, and without human intervention, um, be able to see whether someone's right or not. Um, in a very um, binary outcome type of scenario. I think those are fascinating projects for me. Um, I'm also interested in any kind of um, artificial intelligence kind of related projects. Okay. Um, and while so, some elements of it certainly seem scary, um, sure. I, I find a lot of that, um, what, the, what the future applications of, of AI and the, and the good that it can kind of bring to the, to the world to also be fascinating. Um, and then obviously, um, we have, I'm sort of curious to see how the, the, the decentral ends of the world um, develop, um, whether or not uh, sort of the, the second life equivalent um, in the crypto world. Um, and, and whether or not such projects, and there's a few of them out there, they are. Um, how, how they uh, how they perform. Um, I think that those are just sort of from a personal curiosity perspective, um, I'm there. Um, separately, um, I think privacy tokens are certainly interesting. Of course. Um, that's one in which regulators have had a tough time sort of um, getting their arms around um, because I do think there is this fear that privacy um, and kind of the inability to see it through transactions only leads to illegal activity um, as opposed to just the pure benefits um, and sort of the right to just, you know, private financial transactions. Um, I'd love to see how the, um, the regulators, especially kind of in the U.S., um, figure this one out um, and what level of comfort they need, what tools they need to get comfortable yet preserve the right for individuals um to have some level of financial privacy excellent excellent no no super interesting very 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 interesting uh, we actually have one of the companies that are doing kind of like that second life on the blockchain um on our podcast uh, uh two a couple episodes ago so yeah and they're one of many and it's super interesting to see how that goes um in addition to the other projects you mentioned um obviously you know you're a very very um you know, busy man, and and uh, the trading day, the trading market is still open. Um, even though crypto trades twenty four seven, but we want to be respectful of your time. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for um, telling us a lot about your story as well as uh, Genesis Trading. Um, if people wanted to get in contact with you or learn more about Genesis, how wh where, where should they go? Um, so our website is www.genesistrading.com. Um, on there, you'll find ways to, uh, to, to sign up and become a trading counterparty. Um, separately, um, feel free to, to hit me up on, on LinkedIn. Um, I shouldn't be too difficult to find on there. 
Um, and I'm happy to, uh, to meet and, uh, and, and have conversations around crypto. Awesome. Thank, thanks a lot, Michael. Really, really appreciate it. Fred, I appreciate the time. Thank you for having me. All right. And it's a wrap for this episode of the Coin Gamma Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Please share it out with members of your network, friends, family, associates. And most importantly, please leave a review on your podcast listening platform, whether it's iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, you name it. That really helps the podcast out. It helps us get more exposure and share our content with more people. And don't forget, we're available to help you out with your blockchain-related projects. Just reach out, coingamma.com. Until next time, 